There we go. I, I love me some Kriegers. There you go. <laughs> They'll stampede. Um, so um, we've been looking this summer at uh, the Old Testament book of Jonah, and we're going to um, uh, be reading Jonah 1, uh, verses 11 through 17 in just a couple of minutes. But before I do that, I wanted to present to the church uh, something for you to think about and uh, just be aware of. As Shang prayed earlier uh, in the service, you know, our uh, denominational mission agency, MTW, has a very easy way that if you are concerned to help uh, financially with the situation in Haiti, it's very easy, very easy to do that. Uh, if you watch the news at all, and I don't presume that you do, but if you have watched the news at all the last two weeks, you know that there's a, a, a humanitarian catastrophe happening in Afghanistan. Uh, and you may be thinking, it's, and, and some of us need to repent of what we've been thinking about that, but the, the fact is, uh, you may think you're powerless to do anything about it. Um, I came across some information this week, uh, or actually yesterday, uh, that is a way that we can help um, from people actually on the ground in Afghanistan. And so, um, um, you, you may not be aware of this, but the way things pretty much have gone with the evacuation is that uh, people are flying out of Kabul airport largely to the Air Force Base in Qatar. And from there, they are distributed where they can be distributed. Um, so when many of those folks arrive, uh, in Qatar at the Air Force Base, there, they literally have nothing. Uh, someone told me that you can tell at the airport in Kabul who the Americans are and who the refugees are because the Americans all have luggage. Um, so I've have been struck today just watching these kids run out of here. What would it be like if your life was in danger, your children's lives were in danger, and you had to get up without any notice, grab what little you could carry, and leave the country never to come back again? Right? So, uh, uh, as flights continue to cutter the 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 chaplain's office there at the Air Force Base is receiving uh, donations of personal hygiene items for adults and for children, small toys, also diapers uh, and wipes. We have this, I've put this information up here uh, for you to see. If, if God moves you to do something about this, we'll, have the, uh, we'll be able to answer your questions and get you the information um, uh, this week, certainly. Uh, the thing that's interesting to me about it is that they want uh, all of this to come through Amazon Prime, and the reason for that is because if, if it's ordered through Amazon Prime, they know it'll get there. So, uh, but if you're interested in that, just uh, uh, email us or uh, ask us about it, and we have that information in the church office. So. Um, in light of that, and then in light of the text I'm about to read, let's, uh, let's pray. 
Lord, we, uh, I feel uh, frustrated and small and uh, uh, just uh, unable uh, to, uh, to do uh, much uh, in the world in which we live. Uh, we are so aware of so much, so much suffering, so much difficulty, uh, so much uh, violence. And so, uh, Lord, we, uh, we pray that in the midst of all of this, you would get glory. You would even, in your mercy and sovereignty, uh, execute justice, that you would execute uh, mercy, uh, that you would do your work. We pray for that. And Lord, I, I know that's a very general prayer, but I confess to not knowing uh, much more about how to think and how to pray about this. And so we entrust uh, this uh, terrible situation to you. As we turn now to look at Jonah, we're reminded this morning of uh, the witness that you bear to people who know nothing about you. And that your mission to those people out of a heart of love uh, is never stopped, never thwarted. Uh, that you are sovereign, but just as you are sovereign, you are gracious and good. And so would you uh, uh, give us hope today in light of that? We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jonah 1, verses 11 through 17, the text is up on the screens behind me, and uh, I printed in the bulletin as well. This is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. As you remember, uh, J God calls Jonah. Jonah runs, gets on a ship. Uh, God throws a storm. The ship's about to break apart. The sailors wake him up. Uh, they're crying out to their God. He never cries out to his God. Uh, and finally, he tells them that he's the reason uh, that they're in the, in the trouble that they're in. And then we pick up uh, verse 11, uh, this uh, Jonah 1. Uh, this is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So it's a crazy story, right? And we, uh, when, you, when you read this situation and you see the, just the terrible situation that these uh, sailors find themselves in, there's a lot in that that we could learn and a lot in it uh, in this story that's probably unclear to us. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about, and I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you thought you might die or you've ever been in a situation with a 
large number of people and everybody's trying to figure out how to solve the, the situation. Things tend to be frantic, things tend to be difficult, things tend to be very intense, don't they? So people, uh, you know, it was funny as we, as we looked at this text, people want to know, you know, what, what was going on? Why, why, did, why did this happen this way? Why would Jonah tell the sailors to, to, to throw him into the sea? In fact, someone asked me this morning, like, if, if he's that concerned about it, why doesn't he just jump into the water himself? Why didn't he just do it? Well, I can tell you why. Because I'm, I'm just like Jonah. God's called. Jonah said no. But Jonah is self-righteous enough to know that he shouldn't kill himself. Right? I mean, isn't that funny, right? Now, I'll let you guys kill me, but I would never do that because I'm a righteous Hebrew, as he says earlier in the chapter, right? So it is a, it's a funny thing for us to, to think about that, right? Because here they are, they're frantically trying to figure out to do anything they can to save the ship. And, and Jonah has confessed to them he is a prophet of the one true God, that he is running from that, that God, and that he is about the business of getting as far away as he can. And he recognizes in the, the terrible nature of the storm that God is pursuing him. Now, it's, it's pretty interesting, right? I mean, one of the reasons why I think he's done this, and this is Sinclair Ferguson's thought about this, is that there was nothing left for him now. He felt that God had no more use for him. Little does he know. Uh, he was no longer sure he was a true servant of God or not. But worse, he was no longer sure whether he was still a true child of God or not. For where there is no obedience, there can be no assurance, Right? So certainly, uh, whatever else is going on here, I think there is some sense of despair of, of who he is and, and of what he's done. And uh, I think, too, you know, this, as it is with many people who despair like this, this is a way, throw me in the water, this is a way for me to escape. This is a way for me to escape all of this. Uh, I think it is a, it's a pretty bleak situation, and it's one that, that Jonah has totally kind of t- given himself over to. Now, one of the things that's profound about this, we've talked about this a little bit over the last few weeks, is, you know, we're all in the same boat here. You know, Jonah is the one who is responsible. It is his sin, but his sin is causing all of the people on the boat uh, to suffer and to struggle. You know, we, we tend to think that when before we enter into some kind of disobedience or something like that, I can handle the consequences. I know what's likely to come of this. Uh, but, you know, one of the things about sin is that sin's an uncontrollable monster, and certainly the consequences of that often go way beyond anything that we could ever, ever imagine. And it's not just that it affects us, it certainly does, but it affects others. Other people in the same boat with us suffer because of our willful disobedience. It's a very sobering thing, isn't it, right? That, that sin has a, has a communal aspect to it, that it, that it, it involves other people, and that, that when we do things, when we fall into these kinds of things, what happens is that it affects not only us, but it affects uh, other people as well. And so I think I think Jonah has a sense of that. He's recognizing that his rebellion, his running from God, has put everybody in the ship's life at risk. 
And so he recognizes that the solution to that is to do away with him once and for all. Next, next slide. So, so why else might he do this? Well, this, can you imagine being in this situation, knowing that you are the reason why the ship is about to sink, knowing that you're the reason why everybody's about to die, and here these sailors are lined up in front of you, and you see them, and you think, I'm responsible for this. So, so whether Jonah has a clue about who God really is and whether he has a clue about what the, the nature of what God is doing here. There's a sense in which he sees these men and he understands that his sin is causing uh, this problem and that, that if, if something doesn't happen, if, if, the, if, if something is not done to deal with this, then they're all going to die. But these idol-worshiping, unbelieving non-Hebrew sailors are really the human heroes of the story. Because even though Jonah tells them to do this, what's their response? If it had been me, I'm like, you're causing the trouble? You're out of here. I'll throw you overboard. Here, let me grab you. But what's their thought? No, they're like, you know what? We don't want to do this. And they even cry out to God, don't hold this against us. They do everything they can to get the ship to shore. They do everything they can to row it there because they don't want to do this. In many ways, they're more gracious, they're, they're more uh, uh, Christ-like in, in so many ways than Jonah is. And so they're, they're scrambling around trying to figure out, but as the storm rages more and more and more and more, they come to realize, and it's the, the way the language is used here, right, that, uh, that the storm is raging, that they realize, you know, we don't have anything else left to do. We're going to have to take this guy at his word and we're going to have to throw him in the water. They know that what is happening here, as Jonah knows, that this is an evidence of the wrath of God. Now, let me just say something about that. People, people I think it's so interesting that we don't like to use that word, the wrath of God. We use it kind of as a joke sometimes or whatever because it scares us to think that God might actually be angry at sin, which is kind of interesting to me. That, that we think that, because I don't know of any more human characteristic than our righteous anger at sin. Somebody sin against you, somebody does something unjust against you or against someone you love, you react with anger, don't you? You, you do. And if you don't, you probably don't love them. Uh, this week, I had an opportunity to have some righteous anger. You know, so it was a good week. <laughs> right? It was a great week. I, I am, I'm trying really hard to sell my son's pickup truck. Now, this pickup truck is uh, what you would expect a first lieutenant in the Army who's 28 years old to have as a pickup truck. You know, you got to get a ladder to get up into it. You know, giant tires, just this big thing, man. I, I drove Marty around in it, and uh, it was really funny watching her, you know, having to climb, clamber up to get up into the seat. I mean, it's just something. It's just remarkable. So I take it to this place that, that says they buy vehicles, and uh, the it's on Tuesday afternoon, and apparently that's a busy time for them, and I'm driving around the parking lot trying to find a place to park, and an employee of the, this company 
is driving a car towards me, and I'm trying to get out of his way, and he's cursing at me out the window, yelling at me, cursing at me. Now, I know he's an employee because it says so on, on his shirt, and it's the right color. And so I thought, okay, righteous anger, I can use this. They say they won't negotiate, I got a wedge. There. So as soon as I go into the place and, and I say to the guy who greets me, I'm like, hey, I'm here to sell my truck, and I need to tell you that one of your employees just cursed at me out there in the parking lot. So I'm like, this is going to be good. He goes, yeah, that happens. You get the keys? <laughs> so I, I took that guy as a messenger from God to take my foot off the gas, literally, and uh, calm down and get a grip on my righteous anger because of the way I was thinking. I would like to call down some fire from heaven on this company. We know, we understand uh, that we will react with anger when those we love put themselves in danger. We do. We just do. And, and that is an evidence of love. And so one of the ways that we know that God loves us is that God has a sense of wrath, a sense of anger, righteous anger against that which thwarts his creation, that which mars the image of, of his creation, that which robs him of his glory. And so, so God is, is demonstrating here his character. And, and what's profound about this is, as you see that and you think, well, that's, that's a terrible way to do that. But look at the results of, of what happens here. Because what Jonah recognizes is, is that he, he, since he's the issue here, he is willing to sacrifice himself. He is willing to be a sacrifice for whatever reason. Now, now maybe it's a very selfish sacrifice. Maybe who knows what the reason is. But, but he understands that, if, if, it, that giving up his life is the means whereby the wrath of God can be stilled. And so he says, throw me in the water. Now, you, you, we can hear that, and I don't want to press this, this too far, but the fact of the matter is, the very nature of the gospel, the gospel's many things, it's a multifaceted thing, but if you had to bring the, break the gospel down to three words, it is Jesus Christ saying to us, me for you. Me for you. That's the heart of the gospel. That is the heart of the work that Jesus does for us. And, and you can't read the Bible from the very beginning until the very end of that without seeing that, the, that the, the sacrifice of one for the many, the shedding of blood of one for the many, is the means whereby God deals with our sin. It is the way that the justice of God is maintained while his grace and mercy is lavished upon us at the same time. You, you have to see that from, from the, the Passover lamb that's slaughtered there in Exodus, from the, the uh, scapegoat that the priest lays his hands on to, to put the sins of the people on that as they cast the goat out of the, uh, out of the camp, to the very end picture that we see of, of the church of Jesus Christ in heaven, in the new heavens, in the new earth, centered around the lamb who was slain. 
You see, that's, that's the very nature of what we're getting at here. And so what, when, when Jesus says, as we've already read, that, that there's the sign of Jonah, part of the sign of Jonah is one for the many. That Jonah gave up his life, was, was, was sacrificed so that the guys on the boat could have life. And I think there's something profound about that because the reality is what the, what the sailors do and what they see when they throw Jonah into the water has a profound impact on them. Because when they throw Jonah into the water, what happens? What's well, interesting, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a storm. It doesn't say anything uh, about the wind, does it? Because if the wind were to stop, that wouldn't be that big a deal. But what the big deal is to them is, is that the sea that is raging goes flat immediately. Just like when Jesus calmed the storm, it wasn't such a profound thing that the wind stopped blowing, though that was a big deal. You, it was that the waves stopped. If you were this morning to be standing out on the very end of Cape Hatteras, you'd see some outrageous waves even though the hurricane that passed through there, passed 200 miles away, is closing in on New England now. We should pray for those folks. Maybe it's already made landfall. But you see, that's the nature of a storm. It stirs the water up, and even after the storm has passed, the water continues to churn. But when they throw Jonah into the water, what happens? It goes flat immediately. So they recognize, wow, God is at work here. There, there's something real. This God of the Hebrews, this God who Jonah told us made the sea and the dry land is at work here, and we are awestruck by him. And so they begin to, to worship him, right? So they, they see this, this sacrifice. They see what happens. They see the power and the work and the grace of God, and immediately they fall uh, on their uh, knees to worship him. It's a, it's a powerful picture of the, the, the nature of sacrifice, the nature of seeing someone do this on our behalf, right? And so they're, they're changed forever. They're changed forever. Now, some people have read this text and they've said, well, of course they were, they were like that because now the, the storm is gone, Right? We know lots of people, and probably many of you here today, have been in terrible situations, not unlike the, the guys on the boat where you've said, God, if you get me out of this, I'll worship you. God, if you give me this, I'll do this, right? Uh, the problem with that analogy is that doesn't really work here because the storm's passed, and they're worshiping. They're thinking. They're they're engaging with them. They've really been changed. They're not trying to bargain with God. They are just awestruck by the fact that, uh, that, they've, uh, that they've been delivered. And what it says about them is, you know, they were terrified before, but after this, it says they feared the Lord exceedingly. They're like, whoa, this, this God is for real, and we've just seen his power at work here. Now, if you look at the text, if you look at the, the scriptures here, you notice that the sailors are starting to use the, the word for God as capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. You may think, well, that's an esoteric seminary thing, and yes, it is. But there's something more to that because they're using the covenant name of God. They're using the name that God told Moses there when he gave him the Ten Commandments, when Moses said, who, who, or when he commissioned Moses to go get the people, he said, who, who am I to tell is sending me, and this is the name. 
So they're coming into a, an intimate covenant relationship. Now, what's the content of their faith? I, ma- I imagine the content of their faith is, we were in a storm, and now we're not. <laughs> we, we, were, we were in a mess, and this happened, and we believe that this God is the one who is responsible for that. And so their, their lives are changed forever. It's a, it's a pretty powerful thing. You, you see a, a, an example of this, uh, interestingly enough, uh, in, in the Gospels, not, not from uh, the storm, but I think, I think what you see here is a, a picture of how God often works, right? Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And he was a fill-in-the-blank. Who's your most disgusting person, kind of person? Who makes you the maddest? What, what category, what race, what nationality, what right? Just like the sailors who are far, foreigners, far from knowing anything about this God, they see his mercy and his grace, and they worship. It it really does put Jonah in a funny light, doesn't it? It puts us in a funny light as well, because the, the grace the saving power of God is so fresh on them that they can't think of anything other to do, any other thing to do than to worship him. So two things to take away from this that should encourage your hearts today. Two things that should make you glad. Two things that should uh, uh, warm your heart towards this God who can stir up a, a storm and can still the storm in a second. And that's this, the mission of God is unstoppable. I want want you to think about that. The mission of God is unstoppable. Because remember, what was was God's commission to Jonah? I want you to go to Nineveh, to to foreigners, to people who do not know me, to, to people who are as far from me, as far from being Hebrew as possible, and I want you to proclaim the gospel to them. And Jonah's like, I will not do that. He gets on the ship, and what does God do? God saves, through Jonah, idol-worshiping unbelievers. Jonah running from God. Now, you've got to believe God has a sense of humor about this, right? I mean, because he's like, okay, you're going to turn your back on them? I'm going to put you in a situation where your ministry of failure, your ministry here, is actually going to be what I use to redeem a boat full of idol-worshippers. I got to tell you, one of the things that is so hard for me is I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that God does whatever he wants to do, and nothing can stop him. I believe that not only is God sovereign like that, but I believe that that sovereignty is soaked and motivated from a passionate heart of love and grace and mercy and justice. I believe both of those things. And I spend most of my time discouraged. 
right? Because I believe that people, movements, media, politicians, whatever, are more powerful than God. That they can actually keep God from achieving his purpose. Really? Really? Isn't that interesting? Jonah thinks he can thwart the purpose of God. And he does everything that he can and God's mission to save who he will happens right there in front of him. Be encouraged. The mission of God's unstoppable because the gospel is unstoppable because the grace of God is powerful. You know, we believe in a sovereign God who is good and we entrust ourselves and this world into his hands. Why are you downcast? Secondly, and I think this is even, even uh, better and more, more applicable to you, uh, is that the mercy of God is unstoppable because as soon as they throw him into the water, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah is saved. The mercy of God, even when we reject it, even when we are working as hard as we possibly can to get away from it, God will not let Jonah go. And don't you know it's frustrating? Don't, don't you think that's frustrating? I mean, beyond the fact that you've got to spend three days now in a fish. Well, we're going to have a great time with that next week. But uh, uh, the, the fact is, just look at what God does here. Rather than reject his prophet, rather than reject this one, he loves Jonah and he provides salvation for Jonah. He, uh, he preserves his life even as Jonah is doing everything he can to get away from him. The mission of God, unstoppable. The mercy of God, unstoppable. These are the most powerful forces at work in the universe. And they're not just forces, because they come from a person who loves us. You see, when Jesus Christ enters into our world and says, me for you, that changes everything. That changes everything about us. That changes everything about the world. And that gives us confidence today to know that the cross of Christ is so powerful that there's no place God won't go and no person God won't go after. Take courage. Take heart, be encouraged today that you and I live in a world with a God who loves us that much. Let me pray. Lord, we, we thank you today that this is true, that you uh, did this work. We thank you for these sailors, Lord, that you reached down into their lives. I'm sure when they sailed away from Joppa, they had no idea what was about to happen to them, and yet you did this work in them and for them. Thank you so much. Thanks for us uh, today to have the opportunity to think about your work in the world. Lord, we, it sure feels to me like we're in a storm, and, uh, and yet uh, we know it's your storm uh, because it's your world. And so I pray today that you would give us courage in the midst of that and that you would remind us of the power of the gospel and that you would prevent us from entrusting our hopes and dreams to other things to other people, 
to other schemes. Lord, we thank you today that your mission, your mercy is so profoundly powerful, and I pray that that would encourage our hearts today in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So would you confess your sins with me by using this confession that's printed uh, in the bulletin, also up on the screens behind me. Pray with me. Father in heaven, forgive us for attempting to avoid you. We have fixed our eyes and our hope on ourselves instead of worshiping you. We indulge in our striving instead of trusting you. We indulge in our shame instead of resting in you. We indulge in grumbling and complaining instead of crying out to you. We have been given over to anxious isolation instead of following Jesus in his mission. Yet your compassions yearn over us. You hasten to our rescue. In the cross of Christ, we see that your love endured our curse. Your mercy bore our justice. Forgive us all of our sin and renew our hearts. Turn us back to you. Amen. Believers, hear these words of encouragement. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Will you stand with us?